everyone and welcome back to Presenting Pixie Dust. I'm your host Elizabeth Carr and I'm joined once more by the fabulous, wonderful Brett Harvey. Hi everyone. Hi Brett, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, rocking along. Rocking along in this ISO time. Yep. Through the ISO stages. Yep. Which ISO stage of grief are you in right now? Oh. Anger, (laughs) denial, acceptance, bargaining. You're a bargainer. I reckon, like, I know that where I my workplace is, there's negotiations about how bargaining. it's going to... Bargaining, yep. <laughs> I think Definitely. we're all in bargaining. Yeah, yeah. I'll go between, like, uh, anger and sadness. Is sadness a stage of grief? I'm sure it is. <laughs> Must be there. They're my two that I'm fluctuating between at the moment, anger yeah. and sadness. And then acceptance. I go to acceptance sometimes too. Very like, okay, Sarah, you know, whatever will be, will be. Well, you know, and if... then I cry again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we were to try and like relate what's happening in the world for us now to maybe a Disney movie, uh-huh. you know, we're about to go on another quest. We're, are you we? Know? Yeah. Haven't we just been <laughs> sent home from a quest? That's how I feel. But it's like a, it's like a spiritual quest, you know, where we kind of have to come to terms with our situation in life. We're at the part of the movie where it seems like all hope is lost yep. and they're not going to achieve what they wanted to achieve. And Corona's the bad guy. Yep, Corona's the bad guy yep. and we're not going to achieve what we want to achieve and nothing's <laughs> going to be good again. So it's got it can only go up from here, sure. Yeah. It can yep. only get better. Actually, I'm pretty excited today because for two reasons. Number one, today we are talking about the classic 1998 Disney flick, Mulan, yeah. which is very exciting, in celebration and preparation of the live action release coming out later this year, which was supposed to have been already out, but you know, Corona has delayed everything. Yeah, it has. Um, I'm really excited to see the new Mulan because I think it's going to be really, really good, even though it's not a musical. Look, you know, I think of all the Disney movies, it probably lends itself really well to live action, yeah. given that most of the characters, 98% of the characters in it are human. Mm-hmm. And it is based yeah. on a true yeah. uh, account it's, I mean, of it's, it's no Lion King, you know. It's no, we're quite live the opposite. Action, yeah. where their version of live action was just a different style of animation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm actually really excited because we have. I looked at my sort of breakdown for the podcast and we have got listeners yeah. from 11 different countries around the world. Wow. Do you want to hear what they are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exciting. So obviously Australia is the top one being yep. as though we are from Australia and we've got you know friends and family yep. from Australia Are they centralised in Victoria? Mostly. Melbourne? Yep. Mostly, but there are some in other places. In Metropolitan. And- Metropolitan Melbourne. Yeah. Um, yeah, mostly, but, you know, they don't give you, like, real proper breakdown, these yep. insights. It's just sort of general areas. But then we have listeners from Spain, USA, yeah. Mexico, France, Norway, Italy, Argentina, Germany, Brazil, and the Czech Republic. Wow. The so Czech I, Republic. Yeah. And I'm just so curious. So if you're someone who, first of all, does not know me and you're listening to this podcast... I would love to know how you stumbled upon this show. And secondly, particularly if you're from another country and you've come onto this podcast somehow through the interwebs have found our little show here, I'd love to hear from you. So please, please, please send me a DM on Facebook through the Presenting Pixie Dust page or on Instagram because I would love to know how you found this show and what you're enjoying about it and to just connect with our listeners, particularly the ones that don't know me. Because if you know me, then I know how you found the show. But <laughs> if you don't, I'm really, really interested. And you have had now. some good feedback from, from some people who've given you some very complimentary remarks. Yeah, sure. And I think that's, you know... Well, everyone's going to be real nice to my face. But no it's really... going to be nasty. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think they're very genuine and, um, you know, it's warranted. It's a good show, honey. Thanks, Brett. And but what I was trying to get at is that you know it, it just it's inspiring for us when you hear from the people who are listening to it and you hear what they like about it. It makes you want to do more of that thing. Yeah. So if we hear from you and you tell us the stuff you love, we will do more of it. Yeah, absolutely. We're always looking for ideas for new episodes and. Um, ideas of where to go to from here because we can just keep doing a lot of the same thing if that's what you enjoy but if you've got a particular request or things that you want to hear more of if you want to hear more you know character deep dives like we did with Donald Duck Mm. more park information more movie reviews I'm really interested to hear about all those things so please 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 send us a message on Facebook or Instagram yeah great and now we can get on with 
Mulan. Mulan. All right, you ready for some fun facts, Brett? Yeah. Okie doke. So this movie premiered on the 5th of June, 1998. Wow. So that is 22 years ago. Yeah, I was 18 years old. You were 18. Oh, yeah, no. Good times, good times. (laughs) I'm sure it was. I was 11. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was 11. So so when this came out, did you watch it when it came out? No. No, I no. didn't see this one at the cinemas, no. No. I don't know why I didn't. Probably just because I didn't get to this one. Yeah, I don't think I saw... I Look, honestly, I think when we watched it yesterday was the first time I'd ever watched the whole thing. I think I've seen this movie maybe three times really? in my whole life. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. it's not one of my it's not one of my ones that are in regular rotation. But every time I watch it, I always think about how much I enjoy it. Yeah. It's like The Incredibles. I think I've seen The Incredibles maybe three or four times. And every time I watch it, I'm like, this is brilliant. Why don't I watch this more? And then it just goes from my mind. I think, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes it's when you look back at something you've watched many, many years ago, that you, you see the things, the parts of it that you really loved, but then there's always those parts that you kind of go, oh, really? Was it, you know, like that? Like I look at Toy Story mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, God, the, the animation of that was just, at the time, was amazing. But. Looking at it now, comparatively not. The thing about uh, Mulan, which was interesting, is the style of animation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very much that sort of older style, cartoony type of thing, where they, you know, there was there wasn't a whole lot of detail in, you know, like minute details in mm-hmm. the visuals. Sure. Um, and so it kind of, in many ways, becomes a bit timeless because you kind of go. Oh, that could have been earlier on. That could have been like tens of years ago, you know, mm-hmm. decades and decades ago, or it could have been recent, yeah. you know. Yeah. I just thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, did I mention where it premiered? It premiered at the Hollywood Bowl in Hollywood, California. Really? And I actually, it's so interesting, I actually looked up pictures from the premiere and it is the 90th bunch of pictures, the yeah. 90th bunch of pictures you have ever seen. So there's pictures of like 98 degrees all standing <laughs> in there, you know, um, oversized suits, the really, you know, 90s style. They have the, the padding in the shoulders and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, yeah. Chris Jenner and Caitlyn Jenner with Kendall, who's just like three or four years old holding yeah. Kendall. Um, at, yeah, it's just really cool. Some really, really, really interesting uh, snaps yep. if you Google Mulan premiere 1998. It's it's definitely worth looking into. (laughs) Uh, This film runs for 93 minutes and it has a 7.6 on IMDb and 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So slightly more than like the 23% that the Mighty Ducks had. Slamming the the tomatoes. Yeah, quite a lot of tomatoes, many tomatoes, 86%. What was the other score? 7.6. Look, that's a really good score. Yeah, absolutely. score all around. Quite critically acclaimed. Which and look, great. you know, generally at the looking at the whole movie as a whole, yeah, I think those scores stack up. I think that's really quite accurate. I, you know, yeah, we'll get to my score at the end, yes, of course. Yes, we'll get but, to how um, many cherry blossoms. But just from the outset, I, I just thought it was a really good movie. Yeah, so it was those good. Score, the scores are quite expected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, fun fact number one. You ready? Oh yeah. This is Disney's thirty-eighth animated feature. Wow. Yeah, number thirty-eight on the list. Fun fact number two, development first began in 1994 with Disney sending a select group of artistic supervisors to China for a three-week acclimatization and inspiration course. The movie's artistic supervisors spent this time sketching, uh, photographing, and soaking up the culture of China during that time. Do you know when the opening scene, we'll get to it in more detail later, but the opening scene involves the Great Wall of China. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think, you know, you can definitely tell that they've, They've gone to that place and they've, you know, taken a really good look at it to make sure that they represent it really well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's so Disney. Oh, that's you know, the so amount of, Oh, the amount of effort that they go to and the attention to detail is amazing. Fun fact number three. This is the ninth and second to last movie released during the period of time known as the Disney Renaissance. So we mentioned in our Hunchback episode, yeah. like I think that was episode four, the Hunchback episode, so a while ago, that this was a period of time where Disney started producing critically and commercially successful movies again after a period of time where they were not doing well. Mm. And it spanned from 1989 to 1999. Yeah. This was the ninth and second to last movie wow. in that time. So this is right at the end of that Renaissance period. 
Uh, fun fact number four, Tony and Olivier award-winning actress Leia Salonga originally auditioned for Mulan's voice, but she was deemed not – her voice was deemed not deep enough for when Mulan is impersonating a male soldier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and although, although Ming-Na Wen plays Mulan, she does her speaking voice, Leia Salonga was retained for Mulan's singing voice. Yeah. And Leia Salonga also does a singing voice of Jasmine in Aladdin yes, as well. Yes, she does. And we went to see her in concert. We did. We saw her last year. year. Remember yeah. when concerts were a thing? How was, wasn't yeah. that fun? Wasn't that a fun pre-COVID? Pre-COVID. <laughs> was it last year? or Was it early this year? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was last year. Yeah. It was at the end of last year. I'm sure year. it was last year. Around but Christmas. She was amazing. Brilliant. Perfect. And she's been singing like that for you know years. She sounds exactly the same. Yeah, <laughs> like when you hear right. her, she sounds exactly as she sounds in yeah. the 1998 Even reflection. Better. Even better. Absolutely. She's beautiful. Mm. All right. Fun fact number five. When Mushu, who's the dragon, when Mushu strolls through the Far Family Temple, banging his gong and shouting at the ancestors to rise and shine and wake up, yep. the tombstones glow with sparkling Chinese calligraphy, which is an which is actually a list of people who helped bring the movie to life. It's their names written in ancient Chinese script. Really? So the animators and the, you know, the crew and the wow. support staff. What support a legacy. Staff. Yeah. yeah, so it's their names that glow, which is really nice. That's fantastic. It's one of those little Disney Because I was wondering what they said. I was yeah. like, is, their names. Is, it, is it like a soup recipe or something? Maybe. You know, like, you know. <laughs> it's a really good dumpling <laughs> recipe. Uh, no, it's it's the name of some of the people that were involved there you go. in creating the movie. Mm-hmm. Fun fact number six, computer animators use the latest technology to add detail and mimic camera techniques that were previously unavailable in animation, like crowd scenes of up to 30,000 people, and they used a computer program called Attila to make the sequence featuring the 2,000 Huns on horseback. Ah, yes. And you could definitely tell uh, the style of animation changed for those scenes. It's that... um, Very much. Yeah, it's that really cutting-edge technology that, yeah. we, again, we spoke about during when we were talking about Hunchback yeah. of Notre Dame because that was the cutting technology. They had the big had crowd the scenes yeah. in that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, and it was around the same time. I think yeah. um, Hunchback was 1996 maybe, so it was yeah. only a couple of years before this. And, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the scenes didn't require that kind of progressive digital animation because mm-hmm. they were usually just several characters in a scene. Uh, with a fairly stagnant background, but sure. in those particular ones where they're you know they're riding in on horseback was the big thing. Uh, the Huns coming in to attack, coming down the hill, you could get that real sense of movement. Mm-hmm. And the other one was um, over the crowd scene at the Emperor's Palace, you know, and like you said, thousands of animated figures mm-hmm. in there, all sort of moving a little bit. You know, it was very impressive. Would have saved them a lot of time in hand drawing things as well. It's probably, a, though it would have saved time, it's probably a very expensive program to use well, they'd, they'd, and acquire. They paid Leah Salonga, so, you know, how much budget did they have left? <laughs> well, actually, it's not one of my fun facts, but I read that the budget for this film was $90 million. How many? 90. 90. Like 90. 90. Yeah. Million, which, you know, bearing in mind that the budget for Mighty Ducks was $15 million. Yeah. $90 million for this. Yeah. Uh, I suppose an animated feature, you need so many more people on board, um, artists and things that work for yeah. years on these projects. All right. This is a really cool fact. I really enjoyed this one. So fun fact number seven, Mulan is by far the Disney character, hero, uh, hero heroine or villain with the highest body count ever. <laughs> so the production team had drawn 2,000 Hun soldiers during the Hun's <laughs> attack sequence along with 2,000 more horses. Yeah. Only six Huns survived the avalanche <laughs> and only one of them, Shan Yu, is killed later. So this makes Mulan's final body count 3,994 because technically Shan Yu is killed by Mushu yeah. rather than Mulan and not a single horse survived. Wow. So Mulan's body count is 3,994. She's a killer. <laughs> she Dead is. set killer. The poor horses. Well, poor she almost horses. killed herself in the in the process. Oh, she almost killed herself a couple of times. You ready for the last fun fact? Yeah, yeah. This was the last Disney animated feature film to contain musical elements after a decade's worth of Disney animated musicals, the only exception being The Rescuers Down Under in 1990, up until The Princess and the Frog in 2009. So Disney stopped releasing musical films 
animated musical films for the next 11 years. Really? After this one. They went yeah. into hiatus. Well, I, yeah, I think it just wasn't popular. Wasn't popular. Yeah, so after this film, Tarzan was the last film in the Disney, during the Disney Renaissance period, but Tarzan technically didn't wasn't a musical because tar- none of the characters sang. Yeah. Oh, they kind of did in the jungle. Yeah. That bit. But no one really sang. It was sort of all sung by Phil Collins, all the songs in that. Yeah. Movie, which is stunning and Which beautiful. is fine because he's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And the songs are incredible, but it wasn't technically a musical yep. film. Yeah, no, 11 years without a Disney animated musical film before The Princess and the Frog. Mm. Do you know when we sat down yesterday and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, let's watch Mulan the musical. Mm-hmm. I was completely joking. And when it turned out to be a bit of a musical, I was like, oh. Did you not know that it was a musical? Had no idea. Oh, there you go. You learnt something. Yeah. It was happily surprised. Oh, well, that's fantastic. I mean, they weren't exactly songs I'd sing along to, or there was that one I'll song. I'll Make a Man Out of You is not a song that you would sing along to. Yeah. That's the, one of the greatest Disney songs of all time. It was pretty good. It was, it's so good. Let's get down. Oh, actually, I don't know how much of this I can sing before we get Go on, you can sing it. for royalties. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, that's all right. Everyone knows Google it. Greatest Disney song of all time if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, are we ready to talk about the movie? So is that all your fun facts? Yeah, that's it. Those are my eight fun facts. There you go. And now, before we get into the, the story, yeah. do you know anything about, like, the writing of the story? No. Because it's based on sort of a... It's based know, on, like, an old... It's a time and a place. Sure. A real time and a place. Yeah. And and loosely based on, you know, the Huns in... Well, Mulan was a person. Attacking... You, you know, know that, China. yeah. Mulan was a real person. Yeah. And the story of Mulan is a real story. I so did Disney pick up a sto- the, the story that someone had written of it or did they kind of just develop it themselves? Actually, I did I did read that they had been developing – they wanted to do something in China for a while mm. and they had a story sort of in their minds of a Chinese – girl being rescued by a western prince a western man and you know taken to live in the west and yeah. and you know celebrating the western culture through yeah. this like saving of this chinese girl and bringing her over there but it wasn't really landing <laughs> so i am so glad they dropped that like a so, hot take you know so, you know the story went through some development but they still really wanted to do something set in mm. china because obviously the backdrop of china is just beautiful mm. um so and that the history and the artifacts and stuff are gorgeous so they wanted to do something and eventually Mulan was picked as their in like researching Chinese they must have done researching of Chinese folklore and yeah. and classic tales and history and found this, and customs and so yeah, forth and yeah and found this character of Mulan and mm. and her story and decided to go from there yeah. i haven't done all that much research into Mulan and her actual story, so that would be something that would be really worth looking into, which would be the the truth, the facts behind this story. But Mulan was a real person, and we can have Mulan really... episode two. Yeah, well, there is a Mulan number two. <laughs> oh, there is Mulan two. Sequel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Straight to video sequel. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know how good that's going to be. Even but... even the picture of that looked. Like it was half assed. Yeah, like, like it's been sort of half done. Not yeah. the same group of animators. No, I'm sure. it was B, it looked B. It looked B grade. You the know, interns were onto that one. Straight to VHS. All right, are you ready to talk about this film now? I am. Fantastic. So ready. All right. So we open on this movie with the, a beautiful scene of the Great Wall. So it's yeah. all like um, ink and rice paper drawings. Yeah. And watercolors. Yep. In the opening sort of credits, and then eventually it comes to the the Great Wall. And they like I wrote down that the music, the intro to this was, it kind of had a, a fresh like outdoorsy feel, mm-hmm. like almost like the great outdoors, you know. Um, but it was I wrote down it was semi oriental, like it almost like they weren't committing to oriental music, like a traditionally Chinese traditional music. Chinese music. Yeah. Um, was like a westernised version of that. And well, look, it still set the scene. It had a sort of a little bit of drama to it. But mm-hmm. I just thought, yeah, it's like they didn't write, quite commit to that. Fair enough. But um, it opens oh, on the Great Wall of China. Yes. And it's like one of those very classic images where mm. as soon as it starts, like, oh, that is the Great Wall of China. Yeah. Obviously the Great Wall of China. And it starts bang straight away with the action. Mm. So straight away with the invasion of the Huns. Yeah. And actually, as this opened on the Great Wall of China, I sat there and I thought, I wonder why the Great Wall of China was built. 
And then immediately my question was answered, <laughs> which is to protect to China. Keep the, to, to keep the rabbits out. Yeah. Keep the rabbits out. To keep the Huns out. It was a like a defence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I had no idea of yeah. before I sort of uh, sat down and watched this movie. And we meet Shun Yu, who is the leader of the Huns, who is a scary looking dude. He is. Really Got those scary. piercing eyes. He almost looks sort of like demonic. Like he doesn't yeah. look like a real. He looks almost like a monster. Like he's. Yeah. Uh, yeah so he's, there's a bit of propaganda in there. Yeah, maybe. He's like real scary looking. Um, and. He was. It was a good. It was. Yeah. He almost like that Jafar off um, Aladdin. There's like a little bit of a creepy vibe. But he doesn't him. even look like a person. No, like no. he looks like a monster, like a creation. Even the, like a even, Frankenstein. The, even the skin colors of yeah. them were like very grey. Yes, yeah. So, which was I'm sure very intentional. Yeah, yeah. Artistic decisions, um, and the the leader of the Huns, Shun Yu, tells them to go tell the emperor that they're coming. Yeah. Now all of China knows you're here. Yeah. And they light the big cauldrons on top of the the, the wall to signal an attack. Yes. Um, but what I thought was interesting is that's where it starts, but then at no other stage of the movie do we have the Great Wall itself. No, it's like, no, it served yeah. its purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't keep them out, so no, it, didn't. it wasn't a very uh, wasn't a very effective defence mechanism. Yeah. Um, we cross to the Emperor and the Emperor's, like, sidekick. Mm. I don't know what his official title He's is. He's like a... Yeah, I don't even know. He, he was like a... It's like the first, he's like the right hand man. Or yeah, something. something like that. Yeah. Who's saying that they need new recruits for the army. They do not have enough people for the army to defend China against the invasion of the Huns. Yeah. So they know they've got lots of Huns and people have already died fighting these Huns and they need more people. Yeah. And that's basically setting get. the premise of the whole story. And he says, one man may be the difference between victory and defeat. Yes. And I like how he's very deliberate in saying one man, man. not yes. one person. One man. One man. Mm. I'm not sure when this actually – I think it's actually – actually, I do know. It, it was during the Han Dynasty. Yeah. But I don't know where that happens in history, like mm. at what point in history that is, like what century we're in. But that would be interesting yeah. to look up. Again, mm. need to do some more research uh, on Mulan. First thing that I noticed – Quite clearly, when this then crosses to Mulan's father praying and praying for Mulan to impress the matchmaker. Yeah. So he's got this daughter. She needs to impress the matchmaker to find her husband. And we meet Mulan for the first time. Now, before all this, as all this is happening, in the first three minutes of this movie, Mm. the thing that stuck out to me like a sore thumb, not one of these Chinese or Mongolian characters, being the Huns, being from Mongolia, not one of these... People uh, from Asia, of Asian descent has anything even close to an Asian accent. They are all American accents. Yeah. Every single one of them. Mm. And it just kind of, in 2020, that just doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me. Because even for Coco, when Coco was made, mm. every single one of the voice actors for Coco was Mexican. And I think that yeah. that's really important. And yeah, I know it was, that this it was is very, definitely a sign and, of the 1998-ness of this. Yeah, and, that, and it was a bit like I said with the music. They didn't really commit to even, you know, let's assume that these voice actors are professional voice actors. They didn't even really try to fake uh, an Asian accent. A Chinese a, accent. A Chinese accent. They just... You know, it was just very... It was just American. Not, it was kind of muted, like it was kind of um, nondescript. But it was... Yeah, I thought, that, I thought that took away from the movie a bit. I thought honest. so too. As soon as it started, I went, oh, I would have liked to have heard some sort of realistic... Mr. Miyagi, no. <laughs> ...realistic voice coming from this character. Yeah. Because this is where they're from. We, It's not like there's any question about where they're from. They're from China. They say it. <laughs> this is a true story about yeah. real people who are from China. These are Chinese people. Why do we not have so- <laughs> a Chinese accent? Even like it doesn't have to be a really strong accent yeah. because this is but this is clearly a movie yeah. made for a Western audience. Sure. This is a movie about China and about Chinese people, not made for Chinese people. Mm. Whereas I think the difference between this and Coco was that Coco was made for a Mexican audience to watch it and go, that is my culture. And yeah. for it to reflect that, you know, no pun intended, the reflection of the culture to be accurate. And this well, movie clearly was not made with that in mind. Maybe... Um 
yeah, maybe they learnt from their mistakes. Maybe this was one of their mistakes. They went, they looked back and went, oh, we can do better than that. You know, because we know that Disney do like to improve as they go along. Absolutely. In everything that they do, and they're very conscious of that. And they're very good at seeking feedback um, about their movies in mm-hmm. advance so that they're not waiting till after it's released to fix any mistakes. Sure. Obviously, you can't fix it after you've released it. No. But, you know, they might look back at that one and go, oh, that wasn't that great. I'm wondering, obviously, the question becomes, what happens with the live-action movie of Mulan? The live-action movie of Mulan, from what I've seen, is very accurate. Yeah. Yes. I haven't really heard the voices. I haven't... I, but I, from the footage that I've seen, it's beautiful, and they use Chinese actors mm. and actors that are culturally appropriate to what we are watching, which is so important because we know that... You know, people that are not white do not get the same opportunities in show business that yeah. white people do. It was kind of disappointing that, for me at least, as I was watching, that the voices just didn't match. The voices didn't match the characters I was seeing. That's what really bothered me. But the, yeah, the voices didn't match. Yeah, I mean, you want it to be as believable as possible. Yeah. I guess um, it's always that compromise when you've got you know, they're in China, but they're speaking English. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always trying to make it balance out and make it work. Um, back to the plot, though. Sorry, yeah, I love get off the way <laughs> he says one man can be the difference, and it crosses straight over to a young girl, Mulan, very girlish, mm-hmm. and she's being basically told she has to follow suit and be the girl, do the girl things. Uphold the family honour. Yeah. And go meet the matchmaker. And, you know, that men want a lady who is calm, obedient, and has a tiny waist. Yes. Um, You'll Bring Honour to Us All is, of course, the song that that line comes from, which is such a sort of fun, cute song, but the lyrics are so... Look, you know, it does a very good job, a very good job at making you go, this... Shouldn't be yes. that way. But, of course, at the time, that would have been the, the done thing. Of course, of course. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, uh, you know, they're very good at making you question that and very good at showing that um, Mulan really doesn't want that life for herself. No. All right, let's move on. Yeah, so they were perfect porcelain dolls. That's mm-hmm. what I wrote down. You know, she just doesn't want that for herself. And well, she sings, she... you know, when when will my reflection show who I am inside? I think that and... the point is that she doesn't know what she wants. Well, I think she knows what she doesn't want. Yes, but she's not. She doesn't know what she's looking for yet. She just knows that that's. Oh, well, she's young. She's got yeah. a whole, you know. There is the most beautiful and like animation sequence during this song of reflection where she takes a sleeve of her long gown and she wipes off half her makeup. Perfectly, I might add, without smudging her eyeliner yeah. or smooshing anything across her face. And you just think, wow, there must be some serious makeup remover on that sleeve if she's getting all of that off in one single swipe. Can they recreate that in the live action? Oh, gosh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Oh, that'd be great. I could just see it now. Like, she'd be dabbing at there with the, <laughs> with the, with the wipes, wipe, you know. Really scrubbing at it. Yeah, putting on some remover. Um Dad makes an interesting comment, though, about the cherry blossom in the tree. Mm-hmm. You know, the the last cherry blossom to, to bloom is often the most beautiful, something like that. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very nice way of you know just giving us something to think about because obviously he's inferring that he's talking about his daughter who really hasn't found who she is yet. But when she gets there, she'll be beautiful. And not everyone moves at the same rate. And no. not every and not every flower blooms at the same time. No. So that's a nice little analogy that yep. he brings in there. And she's copping it from all sides. So that is the official that we talked about before, the emperor's official, mm-hmm. you know, yells at Mulan and says, "Oh, at Mulan's dad," and says, um, "You will do well to teach your daughter not to speak in a man's company." Because they turn up looking for. Soldiers yeah. for the army. And, in fact, one man from every household must come and join this army. Now, in Mulan's household, there is only her father. Mm. 
only her father. He's got her as a daughter and the mum, but he's the only man in the household. And he's already fought, and that's what Mulan's arguing with this yeah, general about. he's injured. He's, he's old. He's got war wounds. Yeah, he's got grey hair. he's already fought for yeah. China, and that's when they, you know, tell her off. And her father says, Mulan, you dishonour me. And mm. that's just like punch to the gut for this poor girl. Yep, kick him while I'm down. And he will die uh, for honour. So Because they, they say, will you die for your honour? He says, yes, I will. Yeah. And yeah. he gets a bit angry with her too because she's insistent about him not doing that, that she wants to go in his place. And she, he says, I know my place. It is time you learned yours. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, yeah, a bit of a... Yeah. A bit of a so punch to the gut. She decides as she is working out what she's going to do now because she wants to help her dad. Yeah. And she works out that maybe I could go. Yeah, in his place. In his, yeah, in his place. And so she goes and cuts her hair in this another one of those unbelievable moments in <laughs> one swift movement with a sword. And I'm wondering, there must be something on YouTube, if somebody has ever tried to cut their hair Mulan style with a sword yeah. and just chop half of it it's off. It's like when those people cut their bangs and it looks ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she leaves her comb <laughs> so that her parents know it was her. She takes Dad's enlistment letter. Yep. And off she goes. Zippity zip, hoppity yeah. hop. Off grandma she went. works out what happens here, and the grandmas in these movies are always a little bit loose. But this grandma—they yeah, call like, it how they see it. Yeah, you know? She's super loose, which and you know, she, is very, very typical of grandparents. They she call, heads, they she don't heads, muck around. <laughs> she heads to the family temple and prays to the ancestors to help Mulan. Yeah. And Mushu, who's a little uh, dragon who's sitting on a incense burner, yeah. hanging up in the temple awakens mm-hmm. because the ancestors start to wake up. And they've got this plan. They're going to wake up the guardians, like the family guardians, to go and retrieve Mulan and bring her back. Yep. And it doesn't quite go as planned because they want to go send the best guardian, the ancestors do, the best guardian. And the best guardian is obviously this big dragon statue that's out in the garden. So they go and they try and wake him up. Uh, they send Mushu to go wake him up. Mushu can't wake him up, ends up breaking him. Yeah. And then just decides that he's going to go because he wants to be reinstated as an ancestor because he's been demoted at some point. And he takes little um, Kriki with him, who's a little uh, cricket, and he's going to make Mulan a war hero so that he's reinstated as a guardian of the family. So that's like a side story. Yeah. Of some side motivation for why he's interested in going to go and get her. Now, there's two things before we move on mm-hmm. really important here. At the at the beginning of the movie, we see a little dog, puppy dog, you know, dancing, sort of like getting around Mulan's feet and just being a bit sort of silly and annoying. And my first thought was, oh, no, here we go. It's Cinderella again where we have 10 minutes of a dog chasing <laughs> a cat. an animal sequence. You know, you know, mice running away from a cat or some something like that. Um, but it, anyway, it only lasted a couple, a minute or so, and then that was it. See you later. No, no, no more dog. I don't even think he was in the rest of the film at all. Where did the dog go? What Didn't have a name. Doing like, there? yeah, it was just anyway. The dog I thought looked really out of place. So maybe when they were animating it, someone's tapped the animators on the shoulder and go, ah, nah, not this time. And they already let's had too much on, footage. <laughs> let's get so on we're with. We're going to get rid of the dog. Yeah, let's get on with. The second thing is the Mushu, the dragon, Eddie Murphy's voice. Yes, Eddie Murphy's And I, all voice. I could think of was. That is a nice boulder. Yeah, he's very donkey. You can't think of him as anything else. Yeah, so it was just great to have Eddie Murphy's voice in there because, you know, I think he's just one of those voice actors that, you know, you're in good hands when when you hear his voice. He's also got an instantly recognisable voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so that was my two big things. But let's move on. Um, Mushu finds Mulan at the camp. So she's travelling on the way to the camp to become a soldier. Because that's yeah. what she wants to do. And we meet the captain of these camps, uh, of this camp, right at the start when she gets there, because he's in her tent, and his name is Sheng. Yeah. He does spend about half the movie without a shirt on. <laughs> and there's this big godlike man, yeah. voiced by B.D. Wong, <laughs> who I love. A real man's man. A real man. man's man. I love B.D. Wong. Um, and he's made the captain by his father. Yeah, he made the captain of this particular troop, but they're all a bit sort of dodgy. Yeah, it was funny because <laughs> his dad says, his dad says um, he cites his training and his lineage. You know, in other words, you come from a good family, and then it's only later on I realised it's actually his dad <laughs> saying that. <laughs> yeah. Like, how up himself is he? Like, <laughs> he comes from a long line of successful soldiers. Yes, yeah, but still, anyhow, yeah. So 
look, he he shows promise as a captain, but he's you got this this ragtag bunch. Another ragtag. Another ragtag. Like Mighty Ducks, a ragtag bunch of misfits. And Shangy's Golden Bombay. Yeah, and there's a lot of slapsticky stuff with Mulan and the other soldiers, and they're kind of like it's all kind of you know like it's very yeah manly. And yeah. in fact, um, and their first day of <laughs> in fact, Mulan says that these men are disgusting <laughs> when he sees them. You know, she when she sees, she sees them. You know, picking their nose and scrubbing their toes and things like that. It's gross. Yeah. The point of this whole scene, though, is that there's a big post, a big wooden post with an arrow stuck in it right up the top, and the goal is that the they, uh, it's almost like a competition to see yeah. which of their new trainees is going to get up the top of that post and get the arrow down, throw the arrow down, and mm. none of them can do it. And, of course, we have a song montage of the training, which yeah. is I'll Make a Man montage. Out of You. Song montage, training montage. Training montage. And in the montage. end, Mulan gets the arrow. So she goes from not being able to fight at all at the start of this song to by the end of the song, she's a really good fighter. And she... She's worked her butt off. Yeah, she has. And all everyone else is yeah. too. This ragtag group have really come together. Yeah. And they're quite a good army, quite a good strong army. She gets the arrow, she throws it down. We're all celebrating... But then we cross to the Huns, and the Huns are coming. Mm. They're on their way. Yep. Which is problematic. So we, we've got this sense of doom, this sense of impending doom. Yep. Um, we cross back to Mulan, who's in the river, yeah. having a bath. She's gotten away from All the by others. herself. All by herself with Mushu and um, Kritki. Yep. And getting her lady parts out in the water. Yep. So she's, she's yep. skinny dipping. She's having a bath. And... All the others come too. The other yeah. men that have come and found this lake and they're all in there too. So there's a bit of sort of slapstick comedy of her trying to hide herself while still pretending to be Ping. That's who she, she's named herself. Yep. And her name is Ping. And her trying to hide the fact that she's a girl through this whole Yeah. Part. Now, the the um, little dragon... Mushu. Mushu. He, he sort of tricks the captain into believing that they need, they're sort of being called uh, into battle, into war, to support the other troops. Because their general doesn't want to send Sheng's men into battle because he just doesn't think that they're ready. They're not ready. Maybe no. he also wants, doesn't want his son in the, in the line of fire as well. Yeah. But anyway, they do get on the road and they go to, to try and find the rest of the, the soldiers and they come across this scene of burning buildings... Dead bodies. And dead bodies in a snowfield. Yeah, it's very it's quite horrible. It's quite graphic too for a Disney movie. Well, it's not graphic. Well graphic. there's no blood, but it's like yeah. very but it's in, dead it's, bodies it's, it's everywhere. In, yeah, well it's in yeah, it's implied slaughter, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a battlefield of dead people. Yeah. Um and these are the general and the general's men that have been killed by the Huns mm. and Sheng realizes that it's his dad. It's his dad his dad has been killed because he finds his helmet and his sword. So his dad has been killed in this battle, which really fires... And pretty much the whole army. Yeah, the whole army's gone. So the and emperor the town, in the city is like, you know, next on the list. Yeah, so they're on their way into China. Sheng sort of just decides that he's going to send... He's going to go with his men and they're going to go and take him down. Mm. And they're climbing up these, like, snow-covered mountains. Sheng's on a horse, which doesn't seem fair. The rest of them are on foot <laughs> climbing up these mountains. And I just think these poor men are going to be exhausted by mm. the time they actually get to the battle. Um, and as they're climbing up the mountain, the Huns attack. The Huns mm. sort of attack on them. And they're going to lose this battle because there's many, many more Huns than there are of Shing's men. Yeah. But they have something that the Huns don't have. Mulan. Mulan, yes. But they also have dragon cannons. Yeah. <laughs> they have cannons with dragons on them that they start shooting into them. And they're doing all right, but then they've got one cannon left and it doesn't look like they're going to be able to beat these thousands of Huns yeah. that are coming at them. And uh, Shang tells Mulan, you've got to... Send it off. So she takes the. Well, actually, he tells one of the other guys, and Mulan steals it, steals the cannon, and runs off because she's got a plan. And her plan is that she's going to send the cannon off into a you know snow-topped mountain and create an avalanche, which is then going to come down and kill all the Huns. Yeah, at least make their job very difficult. Yeah, she, <laughs> she successfully does. As I mentioned, she has the highest kill count of any Disney hero or yeah. heroine or villain. So this works. Her plan works. Um, and they happily, you know, get on their way. Yeah. 
Well, this is interesting. They they then find out that Mulan is not actually a guy. Yes, because she gets injured in this battle. Yeah. Yeah, Mulan is in. Oh, poor Ping. Ping is wounded. Ping in is this battle. wounded, and they find out that. She's missing a few things. Uh, She's got a few bits that she shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. So Give Sheng is told yeah. basically by the doctor who's fixed her up. As he when he walks in, her whole sort of up torso is bandaged. Yeah. And it becomes clear to him that she's actually a girl. And I wonder in that moment if Sheng is so furious with her because he's so angry. Mm. Even though she's just saved them all. Because he's he's scared that he's angry because she's lied to him. Maybe. I've got two yeah. theories on this. Either he's really angry because she's lied to him, which is theory number one, or he's really angry because he was having feelings for this ping and he was very confused by them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think it might have been because they sort of have a couple of moments, Ping yeah. and Sheng, where we know that it's Mulan. Sheng does not know that. So is he looking not that at this guy? Not there's anything wrong with that. No, no, that, of course not. But, but is yeah. he looking at this little soldier going, why do I feel so attracted to you? Do you think that's happening during a lot of these scenes? Like, yeah, possibly. Maybe that's why he's angry as well. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, he spares Mulan's life. They're all saying to kill her. You need to kill her. Yeah. Because she's dishonoured you. She's lied to you. Mm. Uh, so you need to kill her. But he doesn't. He, kill, spares, he spares her life. Her life. Because it's a life for a life. She saved his life and he's going to spare her life now. And he leaves yep. her there in the snow. Mm. Um, and lucky he does. No, before we move on, I just wanted to say that um, Mulan's horse, I don't even know if it had a name. Probably does. I don't know But it is. Mulan's horse reminded me a lot of the horse from Road to El Dorado. Oh, right, um, right, right. Where the two men have that horse and it has a, it has its own personality of its own. It's... It's quite uh, involved in a lot of scenes and it's very cheeky or it's very kind of, uh, yeah, just lots of personality. And I just thought it was even animated very similar. It's a very classic Disney trait to yeah. make the horses or the animal sidekick the M- More like humans way. than yeah, like animals, human, yeah. human characteristics. But anywho, moving on. Moving on. Um, Mulan's left. Yeah. Lucky she is, though, because as the rest of the uh, army, the... As they disappear off into the distance. They're going to China to tell the emperor that the Huns are all gone, that they've triumphed over them. Out of the snow, pop, pops. Hun. Shun Yu and five other Huns who are still alive. And Mulan is like, oh, no, this is going to be a problem. So Mulan has got to get ahead of them because she's got to warn Sheng and the others that the Huns are not dead. Yeah. Because they're on their way to the emperor. There's going to be a big party for them. Yeah. Like celebration, but... The Huns are not dead and they're Don't coming. Don't celebrate too no, soon. No, Shang Yu is on his way and he's going he's gonna to have some mm. things to say about this. Um, Sheng doesn't believe Mulan because he won't even listen to her when she gets there to China, to the Emperor's Palace. He's not even going to listen. Yep. And the Huns attack. They infiltrate the, the kingdom, the Emperor's, the, the Emperor's Palace, palace mm-hmm. and they use, I've written down, they use a Trojan dragon. <laughs> to get inside. <laughs> Trojan dragon. Yeah, and they basically yeah. kidnap the emperor and they lock everybody else out of the palace, yeah. basically, and they steal the emperor because they're going to yeah. kill him. Now, the rest of the army at this point decides that they're going to listen to Mulan, even though Sheng is not on board. He doesn't really have any other options, yeah. but she's got a plan, and her plan is that she's going to dress them all up as women because people don't pay any attention to women and that's how they're going to get into the palace. Mm. And she does. She um, dresses up her three sort of It's a very quick picks. change. It's a super quick change and a really classic makeup look that they've got there. They dress them in drag and they get in. And that, how do they get in though? They all climb up the poles in the same way that um, – that Mulan had climbed the original pole. To get the arrow down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they used her strategy. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. She had a strategy. She's a thinker. She's an intellectual. And when they get into the Huns, the Huns have got no idea who Mulan is. Yeah. Because she's dressed as a girl. And then these men, they're just the men in general in this movie are not very smart. Because all it takes is for her to pull her hair away from her face for them to go, oh, it's Ping. When, like, literally that's it. Yeah. I mean, you can tell a girl is a girl usually when she's got her hair back. Yeah. It's just, yeah, they're not very smart. These men are not very smart. 
And hair is all it takes yep. for them to, to, to know the difference between a boy and a girl. Uh, well, I mean, look at Superman. Only a pair of spectacles. But that's at least covering one part of his face. They're, they're, not, <laughs> they're not doing anything right, here. Yeah, like okay. They're just literally pulling her hair back from her face. It's not like you would put your hair in front of your face and I would go, is that a girl or a boy? No one knows. Like, not with my chiseled jaw. <laughs> exactly. Uh. Your stubbly jaw will like it. Yeah, so Mulan lures Shun Yu onto the roof, you know, the evil demonic guy, because um, because she's got a bit of a plan, but also because Captain Cheng is down in his luck. He's been beaten up by the bad guy, and she's kind of trying to, you know, obviously she doesn't want him to get killed. So she's got to lure him away. Yeah. So that he's away from the Emperor, he's away from Cheng, and really... Shun Yu, if anything, is just as angry that she's a girl because he was beaten by a girl. Yeah. And he's not okay with this. So off they go onto the roof. She sort of at one point does this like slide down the rope and all the lanterns are falling off. Yeah. Very reminiscent of the Karate Kid 2 at the end of that when they slide in on those lantern ropes. But she leads him up there because she knows that there's fireworks up there and she's going to try and get in with those. Yeah, and calls on the help of her, you know, dragon... Mushu. Friend, yeah. Yeah, who shoots a firework into him and see you later, Shun Yu. Yeah. He's done. Bye-bye. And see they, you later. Yeah. Happy New Year. Chinese New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> um, they all bow to Mulan, every single person, including Shang, including the Emperor. The Emperor says that she can come and join his consultation team. And happy ever after, she heads on home. Yeah, so he... She could stay in the city with the emperor, but mm-hmm. she chooses to go home to her family. Her family who haven't seen her. Ultimately, don't know she does care about her family and want to be there. Sure. And when he he gives her um, the bad guy's sword, Shun Yu's mm-hmm. sword, and also um, the emperor's medallion with the seal, the dragon seal on it, to take back with her as evidence that she has perform this heroic deed. For the honour that the Empress yeah. bestowed upon her family. And she gets back home and the, the dad, she presents these two things to her dad and her dad very quickly puts them aside and just expresses his gratitude that she's home safe. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of proves in that point that he just loves her, he doesn't care. Because they haven't seen Mulan this whole time and they don't yeah. know what she's been up to. Mm. They don't even know if she's safe or if she's okay, what's happened to her. She's just been gone. You know, she hasn't been updating her Instagram stories in this time, so... The Emperor says at the end to Captain Cheng Mm -hmm. that the flower that blooms under adversity is the most rare and beautiful of them all. Meaning Mulan, meaning, dude, get on your horse and go after her. Because he obviously likes her. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Mulan returns home. Sheng turns up. Grandma is stoked. Yeah. She could not be more happy about this hot man that's just turned up on her doorstep. Yep. And Mushu become, gets to become a guardian again. Yeah, yeah. Because he's brought honour back to the Lots family. of honour. There's so much honour. Honour's been restored and then some. Yep. And then that's where we finish. The end of Mulan. I thought it was interesting that they, she had three sidekicks. Now I mentioned when we were watching, again, Hunchback, that so there's really this rule of three with Disney movies. So she had these three animal sidekicks. Yeah. And then she also had three sort of army friends as well mm. that helped her along her journey. And I guess there's, you know, there's a lot of things in the art world around, um, you know, rules of three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, maybe it's... I kind of wonder why it's evolved that way with Disney movies. Is it because it's a good balance um, to have the central character and then three more? Or is it because people, you know, in their storytelling, you know, they're mindful of the viewer not having too many people to focus on, but having a central few? Maybe it's you can get three very different personality types. Just thinking of the other three. That's threes, true, yeah. Like, even with The Little Mermaid, how Ariel's got Sebastian, Scuttle and Flounder. Yeah. There were three very different personalities yeah. that sort of come into play with Shenzi, Bonsai and Ed yeah. in The Lion King and, you know, these rules of three that sort of come up. Yeah. Lumiere, Cogsworth, Mrs. Potts. You know, those things, they, they're always three very different personalities. So maybe that's the reason. It's just something that I noticed. 
Yeah, doesn't maybe, need maybe, to be delved into. Maybe it looks better on the posters as well when they've maybe. got that many people. Yeah, possibly. You know, you've got the those sort of four central characters plus a bad guy plus, you know, the mentor or something. Surely, yeah, yeah something yeah, like anyway. that. <laughs> um, cherry blossoms, how many? How many cherry blossoms? I'm going to go, oh, look, I would say, like, story-wise and storytelling features, um, you know, it would be up around eight. But I reckon it loses a little bit because of those, we mentioned those voices mm-hmm. and that music. And I think they could have done just a little bit better with that. Um, but so I'm going to, I reckon I'll dial it back to say seven and a half cherry blossoms. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it was a, it's a good score. I reckon it, you know, yeah. Like we, what else did we rate? What else did I rate that was seven and a half? Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks, I think was probably a seven and a half. Yeah. And in terms of, like I said, in terms of the storytelling stuff going on there, um, yeah, it's a good solid movie. Really good, really good enjoyable movie. I didn't feel bored. It kept me going uh, the, right the way through. It was a bit shorter than most of the movies we get now. Yeah. A full probably 10 minutes shorter. Yeah, 93 minutes. Um, but, yeah, it was really, really good. And there was nothing that was really outstandingly bad about it, like when something that you just went, oh, that's really bad. Yeah. No, it was good. How about you? How many? How many what? <laughs> How many um, emperor's medallions would you give? Oh, that's a good one. How many emperor's medallions? Seven, I think, is a good solid score. Yeah. I think that it was a really straightforward story. Yeah. There weren't too many other things going on at the same time. You know, like when we watched Onward, there were yeah. like four other storylines all happening at the same time. Mm. This was very straightforward. The narrative was very easy to follow. There weren't too many twists and turns other yep. than the Huns being alive. Yeah. Um, so I think seven. I just, yeah, I have, with a 2020 lens, watching this 1998 movie, there are some things that I would change if I was going to do it in 2020 yeah. um, that I mentioned earlier. But really, it was a good solid, it was a good solid movie. It was nice. Look, it my, was nice. My final thoughts about it would be this. I love it. Any you know Any of those movies where they basically say, that there's no such thing as fate. You know, you choose your destiny. You choose the things you want to do in life. And anytime you can give that message, I think is really cool. Um, but in this one, you know, she chooses her own her own destiny, and but she doesn't just get it. She works really hard for yeah, it too. Definitely. And I think that there's also there's a lot of commentary, social commentary about you know even things like women's liberation. Um, parts there where you know the women generally are being told to be be one thing and only do these things. You know this is who we all want you to be. This is your place. And it's it's really about you know that spirit of of progress and doing better for yourself and sure. and choosing those things. Um, so for me, I think that that was it. It's always great when they can do that. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Frozen. You know, and Frozen Two, how they just they embrace who they are and they lean into it. Sure, that's my final thoughts. Yeah, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, fantastic. <laughs> All right, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Presenting Pixie Dust. Thank you to all those new people that have just discovered the podcast. We want to hear from you. If you're from another country, please, please, please slide into the DMs. I'd love to hear from you. I want to know who you are. And if you don't know me, I also want to know who you are because how on earth did you find this? But we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, Please follow Presenting Pixie Dust on Facebook and Instagram for all our latest news. And if you're on an iPhone, please go and rate the show five stars and leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You can tune into Brett's podcast, Teaching for Dummies, wherever you find your podcasts too. Have a very magical week and we'll chat to you next time. Bye. Bye.